Hello listeners, it's Lewis. Just a quick message before we start to say, you may have noticed that since dropping all five seasons of The Muppet Show on Disney Plus on February 19th, Disney has now decided to swap the order of episodes from its syndication order to its production order, which means that our first episode last week and the subsequent two episodes that we've pre-recorded, including this one, are now not in the same order you will find them presented to you on Disney+. Plus. So, rather than find ourselves in a deficit, we've decided we will post this week's episode covering Sandy Duncan, which is now episode 14 online, followed by our Jim Neighbours episode next week, now episode 6, before resuming the season from the start in production order. Got that? No, us either. Anyway, we hope you enjoy the now not quite so chronological, but still very explorational and conversational Muppetsational. Hello and welcome to Muppetsational, the Muppet Show podcast, hosted by three huge Muppet fans. Join us each week as we dive into an episode of Jim Henson's classic variety show, now finally available on Disney+. This week it's Series 1, Episode 2, starring the marvellous Sandy Duncan. It's time to get things started on the chronological, explorational, conversational, Muppetsational! Yay! Woo-woo! Yay! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Muppetsational. I am Lewis Chandler. I am Jade Turner. And I'm Emma Chandler. And this week we are here to discuss episode two, starring the wonderful (laughs) Sandy Duncan. The episode was originally broadcast on the 19th of September, 1976. It was the third episode shown in the original broadcast run, but the production code lists it as the 14th episode made. But in subsequent re-releases and syndications, it has now become episode two. Jade, give us some more information. So this episode was directed by Peter Harris, and the writing team on this one was Jack Burns, Mark London, Jim Henson, and Jerry Jewell. And I have to admit, to start off this conversation, I do not know Sandy Duncan. <laughs> she is not someone who's uh, who's uh... who who is Sandy Duncan. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I had to Google her. I'm gonna put my hands up now. I'm really sorry, Sandy. I did not know who you were. <laughs> but might I say you have had a interesting career because you've been on Broadway. A you've prolific. been a dancer. You've been a revival of Peter Pan. You've been on she TV was, shows. Yeah. You've been everywhere. <laughs> Sandy Duncan, no idea who she was before I got here. And I feel terrible because, frankly, yeah, she's prolific. Broadway and television actress known for stage and sitcom work. And here's a fun fact. She can only see out of her right eye. What? So, okay, this is according to Wikipedia, but it seems to be cited. So I think it's legit. She cited. Had for a... <laughs> cited. Is that not... We're leaving this in. This is hilarious. I did an arts degree, okay. (laughs) But whatever, I'm just saying I got a first from York (laughs) University. So, whatever. So, anyway, back. My dissertation was a play. So, back to Sandy. (laughs) Back to Sandy. Sorry, Sandy would be allowed my digression. Um, So, uh, this is going to sound terrible now because we're laughing. She had a brain tumour. That oh, no. So she had an operation where they had to go behind her left eye. Emma's looking oh, like no, she's going to Oh no, that's really you. bad. And apparently they damaged her left eye so she could... No- oh, sorry, Emma is going... Oh my God. <laughs> Emma's freaking out. <laughs> Emma is literally like <laughs> flapping her arms. Like, anything to do with surgery. I'm getting sweaty. <laughs> but uh, they found that she could no longer see out of her left eye. But unlike 
uh, most sort of accidents or sort of operations where if they damage the eye, it no longer tracks. Like, if you know what I mean, it no longer mm-hmm. looks this right or left. Her left eye, despite the fact she couldn't see out of it anymore, still tracked with her right eye. So rather than replacing it with a, brace yourself, Emma, prosthetic eye, <laughs> they they just kept it in. <laughs> they kept it in. So wow. when you think of over everything that she's doing in this episode, she's doing it with the vision of one eye. So I think that already is quite that iconic. Is very, that is very impressive. Isn't it? That, and I mean, especially working with Muppets, because I think there's something about... You know, when you're working with human-sized performers, you mean humans? I guess there's some... Oh no, you mean muppets? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, hum- right. You know, if you're working with humans, yes, they're at your height, and they're, you know, if if they're in your periphery or whatever, they're they're obviously up there, aren't they? Whereas working with muppets, on the whole, they're an awful lot further down. I so understand I like... what you're saying now. I was very lost. <laughs> <laughs> Her basically her spatial awareness is very good. That's what yeah, we're exactly. saying. Thank thank you, Emma, for putting it far more <laughs> succinctly than I did and really confused Lewis. That's okay. But I the thing is though, I obviously you've just told us that, Lou. And at one point she was in a revival of Peter Pan. So was she do they fly in Peter yes, Pan? Emma. Does yeah. Peter fly? Emma, absolutely they fly. Wow. No, but that's amazing though, if she did that after yeah. so that happened losing in the sight in one of her eyes as well. Or 71, apparently. So thank I know. Wow. So when she came to do this in nineteen seventy six, yeah. I mean speaking of spatial awareness, Jade, or Emma more succinctly, um <laughs> That first musical number alone, is it called like a girl like me or a, a place yes, like a, this a nice, or a girl like a me? A nice girl like me. <laughs> oh, my theme tune. <laughs> <laughs> what a chaotic, incredible, ridiculous opening. It's insane. I loved it's it. really good fun. I, I think, you know, last week we spoke about having the, the Muppet sized man with the with the muppet yes. head performing with Rita Moreno. Rita Moreno but I think with this one like you obviously had sweetums involved but those purple and orange crazy again full size muppet costumes I was like what is this what is happening and also where where is this bar because this is this is truly <laughs> chaos like this is on another level Emma, I don't know if you know what I'm going to mean by this, but in the first half of the song, she had this kind of like Mary Poppins energy where like the way she was like being lifted and then like twirling. Do you know what I mean? It had a Julie Andrews-esque air to it. I do. I I had that feeling right the way through the episode, to be honest. Um, But I'll talk about that later. But yeah, no, I do agree with you. It was... You know, the bit where she's lifted and spun. Yes. I'm sure that's literally straight out of Mary Poppins. (laughs) And then she whips off her trousers and she's wearing what I believe is the campest and one of my most favorite. It's not even my favorite costume for this episode. It is my favorite costume for women to wear ever. Long black pants and then tights, like sort of fishnet tights and like high heels, which they then just do like modern jazz dance too like she's like kapow (laughs) (laughs) it was just so weird like she's dancing in fishnets in like a biker bar (laughs) 
But also on top of that, they're doing like full on Broadway choreography. Yeah. Not only is it sort of Julie Andrews esque, but what she the the choreography that she and the Muppets are doing is like full on razzle dazzle, like straight off Broadway. Like, it's Gwen Verdon. It's like it full on like Gwen Verdon energy. <laughs> Emma, isn't it exactly? It's, and it's not. It even... totally is. That is it in a nutshell. It is. It's full on Broadway, full on jazz hands, full on interpretive dance. Yeah, yes, you know, that's exactly what I mean. Like jazz modern, like pow, a couple of these, <laughs> and whoa. <laughs> like, I realise this is not a visual medium, but I am doing this fully. I just, and she was being flipped round, and then she was doing like the eight shots in a row, and then all the other biker sweetums muppets just sort of like fall to the ground and she's there like with a little like bent leg being like oh gee like <laughs> sandy duncan has very much oh gee energy like oh gee you guys her breathing on them with her with her whiskey fire breath was very amusing i thought when when she breathed on them and they all fell over <laughs> but it just also I guess it was just so incongruous that this very petite, slender, Peter Pan elf-like woman <laughs> had downed all of these drinks and then had the breath to knock out all of these huge monsters. Like, I just loved it. It's just like, it's this, kind is, of this like, is hysterical. It's, it's like the combination of like what the sort of like golden age MGM musical starlets looked like on screen. And then what they also were like <laughs> in real life, where they were all just like d- drunks. <laughs> just she was like both sides of Debbie Reynolds. Like she's a hoofer and also maybe an alcoholic. <laughs> a hoofer. Oh, that is what Sandy Duncan Duncan? Sandy Duncan is a hoofer. <laughs> Sorry, we've got to Swedish chef already, apparently. <laughs> You're skipping forward, Lewis. You're skipping forward. I, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was quite a start to the episode. Well, and and also that's following Crazy Harry blasting Kermit into <gasps> Statler and Waldorf's box as well, which I which I absolutely loved. Like, it just completely blindsided me, and I was like, oh, there he goes. Okay, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I always wondered what the show looked like from up here. <laughs> And then I love that it had the, I mean, obviously it did. It had like that sort of 1970s like camera flare from when the explosion goes off because the camera can't quite capture the explosion quick enough. So it just has this like Doctor Who-y star sort of like, like, it just like can't quite catch up with the flash of light. Oh, it was a very, very chaotic opening. Yeah, you're completely right. Yeah, and I feel like in a way it kind of, well, not to not to jump ahead, but on the whole, I feel like this episode was far more kind of up and down in terms of the quality of certain sketches. Whereas in the first episode, I think, you know, as we said last time, there's this relatively high quality level that they're hitting throughout. Like, yeah, there's a couple of moments that you don't enjoy as much. This was far more just generally a bit more sporadic and all over the place i felt mm, like and really actually sporadic. that that opening kind of captures that you know you've got crazy harry <laughs> kermit and statler and wardorf very high sandy duncan i don't even know how to succinctly describe it but that you know again it starts off pretty high but you you're on quite an uneven footing i think off the back yes. of that and then when you get into it then you're just like what is happening what is going on yes the anarchy is in full flow in this episode i think yeah definitely did anybody else clock the slightly cringe inducing button joke that waldorf and statler had after yeah a good sorry what's the name of the song again 
a good girl like a me. A nice girl like me, yeah. A nice girl like me. Yeah. Sorry. It's oh. makes me want to go off and get a young girl. And he, and he leaves to go and get a young... It's just, ooh. It yeah, just... it's very 70s. It's very, very creepy. And when we were watching it, I looked over to my boyfriend, Rich, and was like, what just happened? It's like, and then also, like, he's leaving. He's leaving the box. Like, no, that one, that's not allowed. But also, too, like, yeah. he's specifically leaving the box to go and get a young girl. Mm, no, 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 yeah. no. Like, it was very 1970s. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was uh, not, not good. Not good by any stretch of the imagination. I was very very put off by that Statler and Mordoff joke. And then to be completely honest, not that the uh, the Gags Beasley banana sketch thing is on the same <laughs> level in terms of uh, dodgy 70s humour, but oh my life, it just kept going. Like, how how on earth was that the runner throughout this whole episode was about Gags Beasley <laughs> and the banana sketch? Lord alive. Surely this can't just be me that found this. Oh. I know. I don't, I don't know who made the decision. <laughs> creative decision to have that as like the running gag but no it was terrible it was definitely a week it just it wasn't funny i didn't i didn't think it was funny and i don't think kermit found it funny either and it just wasn't believable it was like trying to make a gag but it just didn't work it went on too long yeah i understand it's the runner but it just the joke never really developed more than kermit doesn't know what this is now apart from when the actual sentient banana came like bopping onto screen, I was completely yes. happy with that. If anything, <laughs> would have preferred more sentient bananas to pop up and just be lifting the absurdity a bit more. Like if you'd seen like a dozen of them, like all come across the screen being like, oh, sorry, apparently me out the way, gotta get, like I would, that would be fine. Even with their little like floppy banana skins being like arms. And then even the payoff at the end where they give Sandy Duncan a bouquet of bananas, I was like, that's what we've been building to <laughs> like this was like we didn't <sighs> I, I i will say i felt like the the talk spot with obviously fozzy and sandy just collapsing into giggles and yes it went on for too long yeah but that was probably other than well and actually hold on i'll get to the other bit that i did enjoy with it but i did enjoy that although then i was like okay i've laughed at them cracked up like move on like it was mm. just too long and I will be honest, I love it when Kermit loses it. And we got our first snippet of that yes. with Piggy trying to poke Kermit and and then he just explodes at her. And that was a lot of fun. But again, I kind of feel like for having to watch it throughout that entire episode for those sort of very small snippets, it wasn't worth it. It wasn't. It just felt like filler, didn't it? It just felt like the same one note filler the whole time. Yeah, yeah definitely. When it got introduced, Jade, you might know this. Who was the old Eastern European lady watching Fozzie from backstage being like, the banana sketch? Who was she? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I wondered that too. And that was so random. Was like, what is her job? Why is she here? Is she related to someone? Like, I was like, I, I've never seen that Muppet before in my life. I wonder if, well, I mean, I wonder if we'll see her in future episodes and, uh, if you're listening and you know who she is, maybe let us know. Um, yeah. Please do, because no we didn't have a is. bloody clue. Let's move on from uh, from the banana joke, because yes. I think the banana sketch went on long enough in the actual episode. We don't need to stretch it out any longer. Let's make like a banana and split. <laughs> Ba-boom. 
That's all this bit deserves. <laughs> That's terrible. You're terrible. <laughs> that might have been funnier than the actual banana sketch in the episode. <laughs> mind. No, the, the 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 sentient banana was almost worth it, but not yeah, enough. Yeah, not enough. Not enough. So we've now had two episodes in a row where Swedish chef uses firearms in his cooking. Is this just something he did in the 70s a lot? Oh, I know. I no. It was so <laughs> random. <laughs> to make a donut. <laughs> yeah. It might just be a consequence of it being a variety show and so things have been put in different order, like the episode's been broadcast at different times originally. Although I think actually it was would have run third after... Yeah, it still ran just the week after Rita Moreno's episode, even though it was the third episode. Just to use the gun twice as the sort of payoff to the joke was a bit bizarre. Maybe he uses the gun all the time. Maybe that's what we're going to find out. I don't know if there's that many holy foods, though. Like, being serious, how many more foods can he shoot a hole in and then be like, it's a donut? Well, to be fair, he <laughs> he shot the flapper jackers down. That's true. He did shoot the, the flapper jackers down off the roof. And th- this week he used a gun to put a hole through the donut. What else could he use the gun for? I'm now rich. <laughs> I think we're going to find out. I, yeah, I have no doubt. I mean, at the very least, they could get him a different weapon to use. You know, like, I don't know. He could have, like, a sword. She <laughs> 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 could do some shish kebab oh. on a sword. <laughs> I love a meat sword. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. That is staying in. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Shut up. I stand by it. I stand, I stand by it. I was just going to make a joke about it would be fun to hear the Swedish chef saying shish kebab, but I think you, you've you already topped it, so <laughs> we're going to move on. Shish kebab. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah, let's quickly. And then we had another Dancing Muppets sketch, which I just, I mean, already, we're only two episodes in and I'm quite frankly fairly irritated by them. But oh. I will say... The best part of it was Animal at the end with the falling for you and when he was directing to fall backwards and sideways. And I guess it's just Muppet Muppet silliness, but I appreciated the Muppet silliness. I liked his little ditzy partner, though. She seemed like a fun gal. (laughs) She she was a redhead. She was like, oh, that was fun. I was like, oh, she seems nice. Like, I bet I'd have a good time with her. Like, just going out and get definitely drunk. up for anything, I think, if she's happy to. <laughs> oh, she's, she's been to that ba- biker bar a few times. <laughs> Her and Sandy Duncan have been uh, propped up at that bar, just knocking back a few. And falling off their Swapping stalls. tails from backstage. Very good. Nice. And then we move on to a sketch that I can basically understand to be Sweetums has poor body image and Sandy Duncan helps him with some really 1970s advice (laughs) i loved this i felt like yes definitely very 70s but i felt like throughout the whole episode like we were saying like sandy duncan's this kind of like mary poppins happy figure well not that mary poppins is that happy that's a whole other conversation let's not worry about that right now but she's sort of designed to make people feel better which i think even got mentioned in her introduction at the very start of the episode that she makes you feel good and oh, yeah, it just felt weird. like this really, yeah, it was a bit weird, but this really leaned into that kind of like that sense of her being this very sweet, angelic, like, I'm going to make everything better kind of vibe and then finish with a pie in the face, which, you know, obviously is a, a classic, a classic sketch ending. But the other reason I think I loved it was that 
I loved her dress. (gasps) I just loved what she was wearing in this this sketch. It was amazing. It was puffy sleeves. It was pink and it had the puffy sleeves with the little cuffs. It was fantastic. The the lovely square neck and she had her little tan wedges on (laughs) and she looked adorable. And also, I just realised that when I worked in Topshop in the early 2010s, this was exactly what we were selling. <laughs> so, uh, you know, when everyone was like, it's a 70s revival. And I was like, oh, is it? it just looks kind of boho chic. I'm like, no, it was. It all modelled on Sandy Duncan's Muppet Show performance, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would wear all of her outfits. <laughs> I'd love to. Is there anything more 1970s than a flower drooping to the sound of a... Because <laughs> that to me just exemplified like a variety show punchline, like a swanny whistle to something drooping or rising back up again. I was like, oh my God, as if this is actually happening. Even the flowers don't like me. <laughs> You've got to love it when it goes from the live dog to the uh, Muppet dog biting sweet in his hand. <laughs> My boyfriend Peter did notice the cut that time. He wasn't confused that the fact that it went from a Muppet to a, so from a, a real living creature to a Muppet to it. So he got that one this week. That was good. That's good. I'm glad. I was going to check in with you and ask whether Peter noticed that. So that's fine. So he's better with animals than humans. <laughs> he grew up on a farm. So it's why. I made a joke between our recording of last week's episode and this one. I, I did meant to tell Peter that I had mentioned it. He's like, oh, great. So everybody's gonna... I was like, yeah, I've now started a... Uh, a feature, a weekly feature called My Stupid Boyfriend. I just, <laughs> I was like, of course not. I just thought it was an interesting perspective that you didn't notice <laughs> that it went from a man to a muppet. Anyway, he's not stupid. I love him very much. We can start listening. a weekly feature though if he wants. Yeah. We can... <laughs> I'm not starting My Stupid Boyfriend. <laughs> we don't have to call it that. We don't have to call it that. We can call it Did Peter Notice? <laughs> Did Peter Notice? <laughs> That's just a kind. That's 1970s advice, Sandy Duncan, is what you're coming with. So, like, he may be stupid, but don't worry, it's okay. He's what well, he's not stupid. But it's like, you may be terrifyingly ugly on the outside, but don't worry, if you have a sunny disposition, nobody will mind. It's like, oh great. So I'm so glad I have to change myself, you know, to be more appealing to the massive, so people are nice to me. What a horrible way to say he was upset, and still the flowers didn't like him. The 70s sucked for advice. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid Sandy Duncan. (laughs) She got a pie in the face at the end of it, Lewis, all right? She deserved more. (laughs) She deserved more pies. They should have ruined that gown. (gasps) No, never. It was so pretty. Not the gown. Speaking of ruined, what the flip was up with Gonzo? (laughs) I think this, so I've been reading the Jim Henson biography and it kind of mentions about the fact that when Dave Goals started doing Gonzo, he really was this sort of unknown character. And obviously like you can hear it in this episode, Gonzo's voice is really high. He's quite furry on top, like more furry than we're used to seeing Gonzo. I mean, that was what I, he looked Busted. Yeah, <laughs> he looked like he'd been on a three-day bender and then been made to sing this song at a piano. He looked like me at drama school when I was hungover and we had singing, where you have to just gamely get yourself through a character song, and you're like, "Please, just let me die." I didn't get to sleep until four a.m. and I fell asleep on a night bus. Please, I just don't want to sing this song right now. Don't make me sing Mr. Cellophane, please. Do you know what I wrote down and? I don't know whether you're going to agree with me or not. 
But I wrote down, sounds a bit like Adam Sandler doing a silly voice. Yeah. You know, like when Adam Sandler does his stupid, silly voices. That was what Gonzo sounded like to me while he was singing Nobody. And that, again, was the UK spot for this episode. So that didn't go out originally in the States. That case, I think the US had a lucky break, to be honest, because Jesus Christ. Like, oh, it just didn't end. (laughs) It's so weird. Even his eyes didn't look straight. Yeah, I think that was another thing that the book said that they worked on his eyes. That was one of the things that I think they hadn't quite, like, got to click to start with was... Basically just Gonzo overall, but especially around like the hair, the eyes, the voice. He's kind of there, but he's also very much not at this point, I think. It's like he hasn't been put in the oven yet. Do you know what I mean? Like it looks, it looks like the meal you're going to have, but it's not done yet. Like it's getting there. Like it needs the 40 minutes at 180. I think my favourite part of that was when Rolf joined in with his house. It ended? Yes. (laughs) And then it ended. Well, I think we're going to talk about my favourite bit next, which is the skit of uh, Never Smile at a Crocodile. I have to say, this was one bit of the episode that made me laugh and smile. And I just love the fact that you had the little cute girl Muppet riding, (laughs) uh, well, sat on the crocodile as he then chomped on the frogs while singing the song. I love the bit where he opened his mouth up and then you had the two frogs (laughs) singing along inside his mouth as well. I mean... What more could you ask for? (laughs) You got it all. (laughs) Exactly. In a three-part harmony. You have. They seem to have chucked a lot of... Well, it looked really, like, expensive, this skit. It did and it didn't. Because I was, like, I was really drawn by the fact the actual reeds and the swampiness of it kept blocking the puppets. So it was almost like they... I agree they'd kind of thrown a lot at it. But then I was like, they haven't actually blocked it or designed it that well. Because then you were actually hiding the frogs. Like a lot of the time I wanted to like move the grass away and be like, oh, there you are, little froggy. (laughs) I kind of felt like, obviously it's nothing compared to like the swamp at the beginning of the Muppet movie. But I almost felt like it was like a bit of a test run for that. It was like, we're going to try a swamp and see what it feels like. Yeah, because when they cut to that wide shot and like lush with foliage, (laughs) it reminded me of my flat, frankly, just like... Plants all over the goddamn place, <laughs> just and there was like a like like a misty yeah. haze as well. It was yeah, it was it was cool. Yeah, I thought I thought they had dressed the set really well for that. Actually, they'd kind of gone all in, which was nice to see. And they did one of my favorite little bits of Muppet business. Although I was a bit annoyed that the sketch let the frogs live at the end because I kind of enjoyed the actual darkness of like the crocodile eats them, and then they're just there. But the bit of Muppet business where they throw a Muppet somewhere and if they land in water, you get a little water yeah, splash. Yeah, that was cool. Like just a little bit of a of water. I just... Uh. What more could you ask for? Imagine pitching that. Just be like... <laughs> so we're going to just do Never Smile at a Crocodile, but he's just going to eat some folks as he goes along and there'll be a little girl on top who'll sing the first verse and then she'll just be there for a bit. Sound good? Let's make the puppets. <laughs> Let's make some magic. I also thought... The um the crocodile Muppet was really cool too. Yeah. The texture and the detail on the Muppet was not saying it looked like a genuine crocodile, but it was a cool puppet. I thought it was <laughs> nice. I think if it had started to look like a genuine crocodile, then we'd be in trouble. <laughs> it it w- wouldn't be a kid's show anymore. I was gonna say Jade. it would not be going out in the early evening slot <laughs> in the nineteen seventies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You got away with a lot of That's stuff. That's true. In the that is true. <laughs> it's true. Like, <laughs> that is true. Traumatizing children was very low on the sort of concerns of uh, <laughs> television makers at the time. <laughs> so this Muppet newsflash, 
this was pure filler to me and an opportunity to get Sandy Duncan just a little bit more airtime, I think, because it doing was a just... fun accent at least. She she's it, yeah. versatile. She was doing a Janice in episode one. She did an accent. She did an accent. For, you know, for an oh, acting man. choice. I feel like this was a backdoor uh, audition for something that she was she had coming up where she needed that accent. Like it was like ten out of ten for the accent, but other than that, oh boy, it was bad. Like what? I haven't. I haven't loved in the only two episodes we watched so far, I haven't loved any of the news flashes yet. I've got to say, I love the news flash presenter. He's great, but the material as yet has not hit for me. And I think I just want the gags shorter and I want them, they haven't clicked for me yet. It's like the current Weekend Update panel on SNL. Like I enjoy the concept of Weekend Update, but more often than not, it's not working for me. As you said, like it was too long. And with the hot plate thing, it was like, oh, that's, yeah. that's the gag. Another very 1970s <laughs> I was going to say, that's a, a very, plate. like, era-driven <laughs> gag. She might as well have been, like, standing on some Farrah Fawcett, cur- <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Flick, <laughs> flick curl curlers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I could, I could do without that. And to be honest, the sketch that followed Veterinarian Hospital, for me, this iteration of this week way below last week's i loved the first one as we as we spoke about in the last episode but this one i was like oh this is subpar <laughs> peter and i had inc- an incredibly confused moment when we started watching the sketch where we both misheard the word transplant as trans man and we were both then absolutely terrified about what the hell the <laughs> sketch was doing or saying until about halfway through, we suddenly realised they'd said transplant. And we were like, oh, thank God. Like, we weren't going to get, like, an awful, awful, like, 1970s. Oh. Oh, it was such a relief. So I think, I don't think I can actually comment on the sketch itself. Because Peter and I were both literally gripping onto each other. Like, what are they doing? What is happening? <laughs> Emma, I mean, you were a big fan of last week's one, Emma. So what what did you make of it? I know. Yeah, it just didn't hit this week. I like last week it did make me smile and it was great and it was like a send up of all those terrible hospital shows. But yeah, this week it just seemed a bit muddled and forgettable to be honest. And I was kind of sad for Dr. Bob. <laughs> I love Rolf. Look, I love Rolf and I love Dr. Bob. Oh yeah, Rolf is amazing. It was just really poor material. Yeah, yeah. He, Dr. Bob deserves better. <laughs> He does, damn it. The only bit I did like of that sketch actually wasn't in the sketch. It was the button that followed it with uh, Statler and Waldorf where they cut to the they cut to the balcony and <laughs> now am I going to embarrass myself by saying I don't think I actually know which one is which in Statler and Waldorf. I'm not sure either to be honest. Could you definitively say which one is? I felt the same as well then. I was like, I don't actually know who is who and that is oh, that going to no. look bad but if you guys don't know either, Jade, I mean, you probably might know out of all of us. Okay, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look up Waldorf. It's gonna be the. I feel like we should have some like interlude music okay, right now. Okay, okay. According to this, Waldorf. Okay, like, how do I define the difference between these two old men? <laughs> Waldorf is the one with the mustache. Okay. And Statler is the other, <laughs> the other okay. one with the larger. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> with the more protruding nose and wider jaw. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and also, so Waldorf is 
Waldorf is white-haired and Statler is grey-haired. Yes. Okay, very good. So, and now I can't remember which one is which one was left in the sketch. But the, <laughs> no. one of them looked over the balcony and just went, good Lord, did he jump? <laughs> that was it. And I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that was great for me. I High love point. That. See, that's what I want. I want bada bing, bada boom. You're in, you're out. You make the joke and then you're done. That's what we need. But I loved it. That was great for me. We're getting, we're getting near the end of this the end of this episode which i suppose isn't massively surprising because i feel like there weren't too many highlights in it but i do i did enjoy this final song i don't know what you like how you both felt about it the the try to remember between kermit and sandy duncan in the field i felt like it had a very sound of music vibe (laughs) She's kind of sat there singing her song and they're all gazing adoringly up to her and like singing in the chorus. Yeah, it was very it was very sweet end to a quite a chaotic episode. Yeah. I, I have to say it completely well, it was the complete opposite to her opening number. She's very <laughs> versatile. She's very versatile. She's done Broadway. She's done it all. I was just gonna say I feel like the whole episode is her just being like, I have an agent. Call <laughs> me. Look at me. <laughs> It's her 26 minute show reel. Like, <laughs> oh my god, Jay, that's it. It's like that is, it's the many sides. Sandy Duncan trying to book herself a backdoor pilot to ah. get her own variety show. I don't. Did she? I wonder if she did get her own. Did someone Google that? Did she get the Sandy Duncan I'm sure show? She, I'm almost. I'm sure if she did, I've, I saw that she was on a sitcom for a while. I don't yeah. think she ever had her own show. Although I. I didn't do an extensive deep dive, but... (laughs) I'm basing that purely off my own opinion. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't research, I just assumed she didn't have her own show. That's probably why she tried to do so much in this. Right, do you know what, Lewis? I'm going to check, but I did see she was on a sitcom, which is why I'm saying I don't think she got a variety show. While you Googled that, I'm just going to... It was actually what I thought. It's the first time we've kind of seen Muppet earnestness in the first two yes. episodes that we've seen, which is yes. like definitely a component that we are very familiar with coming from a, well, the Muppet, like the Muppet movies. Like there is definitely always more of an emotional heft to the films, like particularly the first Muppet movie, Muppet's Christmas Carol, obviously, uh, the 2011 Muppets. But this was the first time in the actual show, albeit we're only two episodes in, where I felt like, oh, we've actually paused just to have like a emotional moment there was a little gag where like you know when the camera first panned out and then there's suddenly like this like crowd of (laughs) quite sort of like questionable looking all male muppets gathered around her scooter looked definitely out of place amongst that bunch of reprobates (laughs) like i was like like got that creepy like little blue muppet with like the (laughs) pointy nose and then like scooter the back just being like (laughs) and the dog the dog from the earlier sketch was also there but I liked it. I thought it was a very nice song. Good ballad. Good showing off of Sandy's pipes. So, you know, and she got to have Kermit sitting on her knee, which is always like, you know, nice. Always good fun. Yeah, the, um, for me, the best bit about the try to remember, other than the beautiful harmony with the Muppets, was Kermit's performance. Yeah. He was looking at her so lovingly and he was just so kind of there and with her and they had the little cuddle at the end and I just thought it was adorable and exactly like you say about the sort of Muppets earnestness I completely got it from it and it did make me feel very warm and fuzzy gone Jade did Sandy Duncan have her own variety show I can't find that she did she did do a number of other shows which I guess were probably very similar to this where she either co-hosted or hosted or did as herself in some way. Mm-hmm. Shortly after this, she did work on the Liberace, a Valentine Good, special. Sweet, so you know, merciful I God. guess maybe she was she was trying to get 
trying to get that across the line, maybe when she was giving <laughs> giving this her all. <laughs> trying to get that booking. We need to see her in a variety show context. Oh, I'll give you a variety show context. Give me my dance tights. <laughs> I also love, this is amazing. She did 45 episodes of the $10,000 Pyramid as the celebrity <laughs> contestant. <laughs> Oh, I want Sandy Duncan's career. I just want to do all this weird crap. 45 episodes. That's insane. That is too many. That is too many episodes. No, no, Sandy. Oh, God love. God love Sandy Duncan. I mean, come on. Do something else with your time. I don't know about you two, but I've come out of this a supreme Sandy Duncan stan. Like, I think just she's a hoofer. I love her. Oh my goodness. I suppose to lead us into our MVMPs, that's our... Most valued... What is it, Lewis? I got too excited. It was our most valued Muppet performer. I think for me this week, it was actually Kermit, because I really enjoyed how he interacted with Sandy at the end in that final one. Mm. I also, as I've already said, loved it when he lost it at Miss Piggy with the joke. And yeah, and I just, I suppose... You know, as we've kind of already said, like the episode was so mixed in terms of sort of laughs and quality and content. There wasn't another standout Muppet to me, really. And I felt Mm. like Kermit doing what Kermit does best was holding it all together and also still making the host kind of look great and really work well. Um, So, yeah, so Kermit was my my MVMP for the week. Lewis, what about you? I think, to be honest, I despite the fact that I hated the running gag itself, I'm just going to go for the one scene one line banana just because it was such a beautiful muppet like he popped on he had his little foldy foldy mouth and i love the way that his the skin of his banana became his sort of like arms that just sort of like flopped in place so (laughs) for me one line muppet banana yeah that was my mvmp loved him emma who was your mvmp Funnily enough, me and Jade are agreeing again. I also said Kermit because he pretty much holds the whole thing together. Otherwise, I think it might have been a bit of a shambles, to be honest. Um, He's kind of like his truest self. He's got all his Kermitisms. It's quite nice seeing him have his interactions with other Muppets like Miss Piggy. (laughs) And also the song that he did on the end um, with Sandy Duncan was really sweet. And yeah... Kermit is my MV MVP. Yay! Yay! I'm doing Kermit hands. Very good. <laughs> Emma, why don't you give it while you've got the mic, why don't you give us your uh, rating for the episode? Yep, I think I'm gonna give it five Swedish chefs out of ten. Just because there are some really good bits like Never Smile at a Crocodile and Kermit's song with Sandy, but there are some weak bits. So yeah, I think for this episode I'm gonna give it five out of ten. How about you, Jade? Oh, I feel like oh. I'm I'm with you. like I definitely don't think this episode is as good as the Rita Moreno one like I think it's I think Sandy she's clearly really engaged and giving it her all but on the whole I think like as we were saying I think both the Muppets and maybe Sandy to a certain extent have got weaker material to work with than, than Rita did <laughs> I'm also a bit like Lewis said with last week's episode I'm kind of hedging my bets about like this could get worse so I'm <laughs> I'm going to go with six banana bouquets oh, out of good. 10 banana bouquets oh. <laughs> because because I think I, I did, there were parts of it that I really enjoyed, but I definitely overall, I didn't enjoy it as much as the first episode. 
I mean, I don't know. I'm just guessing that there's probably going to be some hosts that are maybe not quite as game mm. and as uh, as versatile as we've, uh, <laughs> as we've as we've clearly established as Miss Sandy Duncan. So Ms. yeah, Sandy Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so yeah, six six banana bouquets for me, Lewis. How about you? Um, I am with you, Jade. I'm giving it six. 1970s slide whistle wilting flowers <laughs> out of 10. Um, <laughs> I think, I mean, thank God for Sandy Duncan, who apparently I am now the biggest fan of <laughs> over the course of the last, you know, however long this podcast is. Uh, I have been convinced to my uh, Sandy Duncan standum. I don't know what we call ourselves. Dunkheads? Sandy Duncan Donuts? <laughs> It was a real mixed bag. I think there will be hosts that are neither as talented or engaging as Sandy Duncan to come. I feel like there will be even more busted Muppets to come. But it's, yeah, I feel like, like you, Jade, I think things are going to maybe edge worse before they get better. So I'm going to give it a six. The runner over the episode wasn't the best, but it was saved by a delightful central guest performance and some very fun sketches uh, dotted between some not-so-fun sketches. Jade, why don't you close us out with some uh, Muppet philosophy? So this week I'm I'm sticking again with the theme of puppetry and with the kind of, I suppose, the joy of the Muppets, which I feel like some things in this episode kind of speak to, especially with like the, the Never Smile at a Crocodile sketch. So another quote from Jim Henson from the Jim Henson biography by Brian J. Jones. This is from Henson and he says, When I hear the art of puppetry discussed, I often feel frustrated in that it's one of those pure things that somehow becomes less interesting when it is over-discussed or analysed. I feel it does what it does and even is a bit weakened if you know what it is doing. At its best, it is talking to a deeper part of you and if you know that it's doing that, or you become aware of it, you lessen the ability to go straight in. Lovely. Just think it's an interesting idea that puppetry in itself speaks to quite a deep part of us that despite the fact we're doing a podcast all about the Muppet Show, <laughs> some parts of the magic can't be overanalyzed or you just, you know, you just lose the magic. Particularly because none of us know how puppetry works. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note <laughs> thank you so much for listening to Muppet Sational if you've enjoyed the episode don't forget to subscribe rate and review as it really helps spread the word about the podcast you can follow us on social media we are at Muppet Sational on Instagram Twitter and Facebook and you can contact us at hi-ho that's h-i-h-o at muppetspodcast.com and you can find out more about us and the podcast at muppetspodcast.com Com. Thank you so much for joining us. I've been Lewis Chandler. Goodbye. I've been Jay Turner. We'll see you soon. Bye from me, Emma Chandler. We shall see you next week on another episode of Muppet Sational. Our theme music is Peppy Pepe by Kevin McLeod. And our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge, who you can follow at at charlie underscore r underscore rudge on Instagram.